Good morning, church. It is great to be with you. My name is Ethan Magnus, one of the pastors here. Uh, so glad that you're with us this morning as we continue our series, Promised. Uh, we're looking at the, uh, the, the prophecies of Scripture, the prophetic work of God throughout history, and we're learning how God worked through the prophets. Our goal in this series is to try to understand just a little bit about how God worked through the prophets way back then, so we can learn what it tells us about the ministry of Jesus so that we can understand how the prophets still speak to us today. I think one of the biggest mistakes we make with the prophets is that we kind of render them to history and we mute their voice in our lives today. And if we're going to unmute their voice and let them speak again to us, we're going to have to figure out how they spoke in the first place. Uh, we, we kicked it off last week um, with, uh, with a little bit of a kind of a longer and more complicated thing than we normally do. If you missed it, you're probably glad. No, I, I think it was helpful. Maybe you want to check it out. Uh, we, we talked last week about how the, the, the work of the prophets was rooted in the covenant of God. Not rooted in some sort of spontaneous vision, but rooted in God's covenant. And in fact, most of what they predicted was already articulated in the public covenant of God. Uh, we talked about how the work of the prophets was rooted in the character of God. That often they could anticipate God's future action because they trusted that God was reliable and they had borne witness to God's past action. And then we notice that it was rooted in the truth of the covenant and in the consistency of God's character that the prophets were occasionally given a specific and clear prediction about the future. But always that prediction was in keeping with the covenant and in keeping with the character of God. Uh, we also noticed last week, and I want to talk about this a little bit more today, about one of the sources of confusion we have when it comes to the prophets. I, I think many of us, we approach the prophets kind of with, with a little bit of confusion from the very beginning, and we might not even know it. Uh, the, the confusion that we have is we think that what prophets mainly did was predict the future. As we saw last week, that actually isn't what they mainly did. They actually very rarely predicted the future. They usually reminded us of the covenant and reminded us of God's character. But, but we come to the prophets with that expectation that the prophets mainly predict the future. Uh, our, our, our notion of the prophets has been more influenced by, you know, the fortune teller in some silly movie or, or some sort of prophecy in a fantasy novel or something like that. It's been more influenced by that than it has by the Bible. Because if prophecy is mainly about prediction... Or if you even think prophecy might be only about predicting things, well, then once the prophecy is fulfilled, it's, it's finished, right? And this is the way it works in movies and books, right? The prophecy is only exciting and interesting while it's unfulfilled. And as soon as the prophecy is fulfilled, all the things that were foretold come to pass, we just sort of stop talking about the prophecy. And sometimes we do that with the Bible too. 
we think that the only prophecies that still matter are the ones that haven't been fulfilled yet. That, that somehow once a prophecy has been fulfilled, well then it's over. It has no power. It has no meaning. It no, no longer speaks. You know, that already happened, we say. That one already came true. It doesn't mean much for today. But it turns out that biblical prophecy doesn't work that way at all. That fulfilled prophecy is not finished prophecy. And getting this right matters uh, because there are some pretty important biblical texts, some pretty significant texts that we will badly misunderstand if we get this wrong. Uh, let me look with you at one example that you might have heard before. Matthew 1, verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. And then our narrator, Matthew, writes, all this took place. To fulfill what the Lord had said to the prophet, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. The story of Jesus begins with a miraculous birth. And Matthew teaches us that this birth, this miracle birth born to a virgin is a fulfillment of the prophecy from Isaiah chapter 7. And just looking at that verse by itself, our default interpretive frame seems to make a lot of sense. We knew prophecy was about prediction. Isaiah must have predicted the virgin birth of Jesus, we might say. Surely that must be what Matthew means. Whatever Isaiah said in Isaiah chapter 7, and maybe you haven't read it in a while, but whatever he said, it must have been about the virgin birth of Jesus. Otherwise, why would Matthew say that? We get the impression from our default interpretive frame that somehow before the birth of Jesus, people who had read Isaiah chapter 7 were just sitting around waiting for it to come true, waiting for a virgin to have a baby, and after that the prophecy wouldn't mean anything anymore because then it would have been fulfilled, and we kind of assume that fulfilled prophecy is a finished prophecy with no more meaning for us. And that's how I understood this text. It might be how you think about this text. Over the years, hearing the Christmas story, it probably makes sense to see what Matthew says. This fulfills Isaiah chapter 7. A virgin will conceive and bear a son and they will call him Emmanuel. Hearing that in the Christmas story year after year, it makes sense to imagine that Isaiah chapter 7 was somehow about Jesus. That it somehow predicted Jesus. 
There are only a couple problems with this perspective. The first is that if we assume this, that Isaiah predicted the virgin birth of Jesus, and that's all his prophecy was about, we will miss the main truth of Isaiah's prophecy for our day. We'll miss the main point. The second problem is, if you ever were to go back and read Isaiah chapter 7, from which this prophecy is taken, you will be set up for a great deal of confusion and maybe even crisis in your understanding of Scripture. Because if you were to go back, as we are in just a second, and read Isaiah chapter 7, well, we'll discover together it doesn't seem like it is about Jesus. If you've got a Bible with me, why don't you jump into Isaiah chapter 7. It'll be up on the screen too, but it may help if you're able to follow along with the whole chapter. We'll start in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 1. When Ahaz, son of Jotham, the son of Uzziah, was king of Judah, King Rezin of Aram and Pekah, son of Remaliah, king of Israel, marched up to fight against Jerusalem, but they could not overpower it. Now the house of David was told, Aram has allied itself with Ephraim. Now these, these are two other ways of talking about these nations. So the hearts of Ahaz, that's the king, and his people were shaken as the trees of the forest are shaken by the wind. Then the Lord said to Isaiah, Go out, you and your son Shear Jashub, to meet Ahaz at the end of the aqueduct of the upper pool on the road to the launderer's field. Say to him, be careful, keep calm, and don't be afraid. Do not lose heart because of these two smoldering stubs of firewood, because of the fierce anger of Rezin and Aram and of the son of Remaliah. Aram, Ephraim, and Remaliah's son have plotted your ruin, saying, Let us invade Judah, let us tear it apart and divide it among ourselves. Let's make the son of Tabil king over it. This is what the sovereign Lord says. It will not take place. It will not happen. For the head of Aram is Damascus, and the head of Damascus is only resin. Within 65 years, Ephraim will be, a too shattered, will be too shattered to be a people. The head of Ephraim is Samaria, and the head of Samaria is only Remaliah's son. If you do not stand firm in your faith, you will not stand at all. Just so we understand the situation... Uh, the kingdom of Judah, led by the king Ahaz, is under attack by two kings, the son of Remaliah and Perez. I'm sorry, Rezin. Sorry, I'll get these names wrong. He's under attack by two kings, the nation of Israel and the nation of Aram. The king Ahaz is being overwhelmed by his fear, and God sends the prophet Isaiah to say, don't worry. Soon their kingdoms will be destroyed and if you have faith in me, you will stand. Verse 10. Again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz. Ask the Lord your God for a sign, whether in the deepest depths or the highest heights. But Ahaz said, I will not ask. I will not put the Lord to the test. Then Isaiah said, Hear now, you house of David. Is it not enough to try the patience of humans? Will you try the patience of my God also? Therefore, the Lord will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will call him Emmanuel. 
He will be eating curds and honey when he knows enough to reject wrong and choose the right. And before the boy knows enough to reject the wrong and choose the right, the land of the two kings you dread will be laid waste. The Lord will bring onto you and your people and on the house of your father a time unlike any. Since Ephraim broke away from Judah, he will bring the king of Assyria. The situation is clear. Under attack by two neighboring kingdoms, King Ahaz cowers in fear. And the prophecy is also clear. Isaiah says, though you do not ask for a sign, you will receive one. Uh, the Hebrew word that's translated virgin here could just, could just as easily be young woman. A young woman, a virgin, will, will go conceive and bear a child. And before that child is old enough to choose for themselves, your enemies will be destroyed. And by the time that child is old enough to choose for themselves, your land will prosper again. This symbol of you'll be eating curds and honey means by the time that little baby is eating solid food, it won't just be any old solid food. It'll be rich foods, honey, and the thick milk of, of curds. And of course, that's exactly what happened. Isaiah's prophecy exactly came true. The child was born, and before that child was old enough to choose right, from wrong. Their enemies were destroyed, their land prospered, and it would do so for decades. And here's the thing. If fulfilled prophecy is finished prophecy, well then we've got a problem, right? Because this prophecy, it's about the time of Ahaz. And it was fulfilled. It happened. It came true. And if it's about Ahaz, how can Matthew say it's about Jesus? If this prophecy is about a petty war between Aram and Israel, then how can it be about the Savior of the world? If, if fulfilled prophecy is finished prophecy, then this prophecy was finished because it was already fulfilled. No one was sitting around waiting for a baby to be born to a virgin named Emmanuel. Nobody was waiting for the fulfillment of this prophecy because everybody assumed it had already happened. If the angel had just like said to Joseph, finally, Emmanuel is going to be born, the prophecy of Isaiah 7 will finally be fulfilled, Joseph would have been like, what are you talking about? That totally already happened. Like, everybody knows. We won the war. Aram and Israel were destroyed. We entered a time of prosperity, just like the Isaiah Emmanuel prophecy promised. If prophecy is prediction, we're stuck. But that isn't how prophecy works. In Scripture, fulfilled prophecy is not finished prophecy. This idea is so counterintuitive to the way we think about prophecy, I told him to put it on the screen. I know I normally just put the Bible verses on the screen, but this idea is so different than the way we're taught by movies and fantasy novels and fortune tellers to think about prophecy. Fulfilled prophecy is not finished prophecy. 
You see, if prophecy is about the covenant and character of God, about the justice and mercy of God, about how a loving God treats God's beloved people, this means that true prophecy, fulfilled prophecy, just becomes increasingly true. And often in God's word, fulfilled prophecy gets fulfilled more than once. So when Matthew says, verse 22, all this took place, the birth of Jesus, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God's with us. Matthew isn't saying that way back then Isaiah predicted Jesus. Matthew would never say that. Everyone knows Isaiah did not predict Jesus. Isaiah predicted that this war would soon be over before the baby was old enough to know right from wrong. What Matthew is saying is that even though you thought that prophecy was finished, even though you thought God was done with that word, Jesus now fulfills that prophecy. The prophecy of Isaiah is now fulfilled anew, only this time it's for everyone. I was talking to Dr. Gwaltney. He's a, Bill Gwaltney's a member of our church. He taught Old Testament at Milligan for decades and decades, uh, longer, I think, than I've been alive, a uh, long time. And we were hanging out this week, and we talked about lots of topics. We talked about Sunday school and all kinds of cool things. His new, he's got a new apartment. We talked about that. But, but along the way, we talked about this series, because he knows more about prophecy than I ever will, and we talked especially about this text. He got excited when he knew we were going to be talking about Isaiah chapter 7, and he started giving me a list of things I needed to say. He said, Ethan, you have to tell people that Isaiah's prophecy isn't originally about Jesus. And I was like, okay, check. I was going to say that. Awesome. Good. I got that covered. So far, I'm getting 100 on this quiz. All right. Great. He says, Ethan, you have to explain to people that Jesus is a renewed fulfillment of an old prophecy that everybody thought was done. And I was like, okay, renewed fulfillment. I'm taking notes now. That's better than how I was going to say it, but I was going to make that point. I'm still feeling like so far, I'm definitely getting a B plus on this quiz. And then he said this. He said, Ethan, what Matthew wants us to notice is that the whole story of Isaiah chapter 7 is going to happen all over again, just this time for the whole world. He says, it isn't just that the miracle baby part of the prophecy is getting repeated. It's the whole situation that is happening again. Once again, God's people are in trouble, oppressed by powerful foes. Once again, no one knows where to turn to help. Once again, those who should be leading faithfully, trusting in God to rescue them, are instead too cowardly to turn to God. Once again, no one seeks a sign of God's faithfulness and mercy and goodness and justice, righteousness. Once again, the world is under siege and losing hope and God God says, Emmanuel, I am with you. I will rescue you. You can trust in me. Don't give up. For the day of salvation is just around the corner. It's 
closer than you think. If you will just wait upon me and trust in my rescue, we will once again eat curds and eat honey. We will once again see children grow up and before they know right from wrong, the glory of God will be revealed. And just like God did the first time, the prophecy is fulfilled. You see, God wasn't finished with the Isaiah 7 prophecy just because he'd fulfilled it once. This is the way the great prophecy of God works. A fulfilled prophecy is not a finished prophecy. And now this time, when God fulfills again the renewed fulfillment of Isaiah chapter 7, it's not just for Judah against an earthly enemy. It's for the whole world against all enemies. The first time the prophecy of Isaiah chapter 7 was fulfilled, it changed the history of Judah. The second time, it changed the world. Now this might be the point where some of you wonder why this matters. This might be the point where some of you are just wondering, is this just some sort of Old Testament lesson to remind us that God can fulfill prophecy more than once? Is it just sort of reminder to go, always go back and read the Old Testament to make sure we know what's going on? Here's why it matters. It doesn't matter just because God fulfilled the prophecy once or God fulfilled it a second time. It matters because fulfilled prophecy is not finished, which means God's not finished fulfilling Isaiah chapter 7. God is not done rescuing people. You see, the prophecy that was true is true and will be true. Isaiah says to Ahaz, just hold on a little longer. The rescue is around the corner. The angel says to Joseph, just trust God a little longer. The rescue is around the corner. And now Jesus says to us, behold, I am coming soon. God is with you, Emmanuel. And the rescue is right around the corner. The prophecy is fulfilled. But it is not finished, and that is good news for you today. If the truth of prophecy is not swallowed up by its fulfillment, but rather it is reinforced and sustained by its fulfillment, it is proved by its fulfillment, then this means that how God once worked in the time of Ahab how God did work through the birth of Jesus is how God does work in your life. This is why it matters that fulfilled prophecy is not finished. How God once worked in the time of Ahaz is how God did work through Jesus Christ. Is how God will work in your life. I remember the first time I read Isaiah chapter 7 having grown up on the Christmas story. I went to a wise teacher and I said, I'm so confused. I, I'm just, I just can't figure it out. Who is this prophecy about? And they were real patient and they said, well, it's about Ahaz and Israel. And I said, you mean it's not about Jesus? They said, well, well no. 
It's about Jesus. I said, I thought you just said it was about Ahaz. And they said, wait, I'm not done. And they said, and it's about God. How God acts consistently again and again to rescue people just when they thought all hope was lost. And one more truth. It's about you. And that's the good news for you today. Fulfilled prophecy is not finished prophecy, which means this prophecy, this good word, that a virgin will conceive and bear a child and his name will be Emmanuel. In the blink of an eye, he will grow up. And by the time he does, your rescue is here. This prophecy is about Ahaz and about Jesus and about God. And it's about you. I don't know what enemies surround you today. I don't know what foes line up against you. I don't know by what you are besieged this morning. Maybe it's a crisis of faith. Maybe it's the loss of a job. Maybe your family is in chaos. Or your health has betrayed you. Or grief overwhelms you. Maybe your foes have lined up against you and like Ahaz, you are sure that help cannot come quickly enough. This prophecy is still true for you. God is with you. The fulfillment of this prophecy in the time of Ahaz and in the time of Jesus does not mean it is no longer true. On the contrary, it just proves that it is still true. God is with you. You may want to tell me, Ethan, you don't understand the situation I face, the enemies that surround me, the way I am beset to rescue me from this would be as unlikely as a virgin having a baby. And I want you to know my God did that once just to prove that God is with you. You may want to tell me the rescue will never come. God will never show up to rescue me from this. Maybe you need to hear Isaiah say, before a baby can learn to eat solid food, your God's rescue will be complete. Maybe you want to tell me, Ethan, it's too late. Things are broken and beyond repair. Maybe you need to hear Isaiah say, and when that baby eats, learns to eat solid food, it will be curds and honey and the land will be fully restored. I don't know how God is going to care for you in your situation. But I do know this. Once God starts fulfilling a prophecy, God isn't finished until it has been fulfilled in every possible way. God is still speaking and God is still keeping this promise that when God's people are surrounded, God sends a Savior God is with us. Emmanuel, let us pray. Gracious God, teach us to cling to your promises as true today as they ever were or ever have been. Teach us to trust in the coming of Emmanuel who is with us, our Savior. 
teach us to believe that our salvation is just around the corner. If we will, as Isaiah said to Ahaz, just be faithful, you will be faithful to us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.